This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Russia's massive troop mobilization and Vladimir Putin's nuclear threats. The big question is how will this impact Ukraine's military? It doesn't, JJ. We understand that Russians have uh, very serious problems with their personnel. Yuri Sack is an advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense. We know that, you know, we have destroyed more than 55,000 Russian invaders on the battlefield. Sack says Russia's military cannot likely achieve any of the goals that have been put out before them. They are demoralized, they're degraded, they are not motivated. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Yuri Sack is an advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense. We talked to him often, and we spoke to him recently when Russian President Vladimir Putin said he was going to call up 300,000 men to fight in the war in Ukraine. And so we reached out to Yuri to talk about how this would impact Ukraine and especially Ukraine's military. And this is how the conversation went. Um, It doesn't, JJ. Um, You know, we understand that Russians have uh, very serious problems with their personnel. We know that, you know, we have destroyed um, more than 55,000 Russian invaders on the battlefield. Uh, They are demoralized, they're degraded, they are not motivated. So, of course, (laughs) the way this is going, uh, it is not looking like the Russian army is capable of achieving any of those military goals that have been set before it by uh, their leader. Uh, At the same time, uh, the uh, threat of the possible use of the nuclear uh, weapons uh, is also not new to us, okay? We uh, We have seen uh, these uh, threats uh, from the very early days of this war, uh, now and again, they would be voiced uh, by top Russian politicians, members of their uh, parliament, the Duma. So uh, it is something that they have been using in their rhetoric for a while now. And of course, uh, being impotent on the battlefield, they have nothing else left but to blackmail Ukraine and the international community uh, through the possibility of the use of nuclear weapons. And we just, you know, we know that we will not budge. We will know that for us, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, we have our goal. We will liberate our land. Okay. Uh, and and we hope that the international community also understands that, you know, we should not be negotiating with terrorists. Yeah. So, um, 
one of the things that, that that's important right now to ask about is um, Ukraine has been involved in a very successful counteroffensive that's liberated a lot of a lot of places, a lot of territory. Um, we talked about some of that uh, recently, but um, one of the things that seems to be taking place now, and it perhaps is us not really knowing or understanding what the thinking is behind the Ukrainian military's plans, it seems as though that offensive is slowing down. Is that actually taking place, or is this perhaps the pause before the next phase of whatever takes place? Of course, if you compare the pace of the advance of the Ukrainian army today with what was happening um, 10 days ago, you know, the tempo of the counteroffensive is not so fast, so lightning fast as it was. Uh, at the same time, the counteroffensive continues and we are determined to continue our push. Now, the reasons why it kind of slowed down are as well, you know, known to our general staff. And for example, our Minister of Defense, Alexei Reznikov, explained that if you look at the south of Ukraine, the Kherson region, where the counteroffensive is taking place as well, Kherson is a predominantly agricultural area and that terrain is very much, uh, you, you know, it has a lot of irrigational channels. And all of these are used by the Russian occupiers as their fortification lines and their defense lines. So it kind of slows down. Plus, we understand that in Kharkiv region, uh, the offense, the counteroffensive was so quick and so fast because the Russians had started fleeing chaotically, right? So at the same time, now the battlefield, uh, the the epicenter of the fight has moved, and it's now in the Donetsk region around cities like Slavyansk and Bakhmut. And while, uh, you know, as a resume, I would just like to say that, yes, indeed, today it is not as fast as it was 10 days ago, but at the same time, it continues, and it will continue. So as as it continues, um, can you say, without uh, divulging anything, sensitive, what the next objectives might be, or vaguely what they might be? These objectives, nobody's like keeping them secret, right? The objective is very straightforward. We need to liberate every inch of the territory that is now temporarily occupied by the aggressor. Now, what will determine the success of the next stages of the counteroffensive, of course, is the amount of the military support that we receive from our allies as usual you know this is something we've been saying from the very first uh, discussion that we had with you and uh, it is still as relevant today as it was um you know a month ago two months ago or three months ago uh, we are at a stage in this war where we have to do everything possible and when i say we i mean ukraine as well as the international community we need to stop this war from becoming a frozen war we need to stop this war from becoming a protracted war for this to happen, the Ukrainian army needs to be equipped, equipped, uh, you know, better than we are at the moment. So we need more longer range missiles. We need air defense. We need anti-rocket systems. We need tanks. We need uh, combat aircraft. So um, the sooner and uh, we receive all of this in, 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 in sufficient quantities, uh, the sooner we will be able to achieve our goals. But as for the more tactical goals, of course, these are decided by the general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine. And look. 
I personally, I had no idea about, and, and not just me, I, I think there was very limited number of people who knew actually uh, about the planning of the counteroffensive in the Kharkiv region. And this is why it was so successful, right? Because it was uh, a surprise counteroffensive. So uh, we've seen what the Ukrainian army cap is capable of, and this could happen any moment. Let's let's leave it at that. All right. So the places like Izium, um, where we're, we're still seeing uh, forensic teams comb through what what seem to be mass graves and torture centers have been have been revealed. And I've spoken to a couple of people who've actually been there to some of those places and witnessed what was taking place there. And do you have any expectation that you'll find more of these kinds of places as this counteroffensive progresses? Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that's unfortunately something that we uh, fear will happen. Um, and, you know, this is Izum, right? We haven't even started looking at places like, for example, Mariupol, where the number of civilians who were actually killed by the Russian shelling, by, by the atrocities that they've been committing there is, is, you know, very, very large because of the sheer size of Mariupol, right? So um, everywhere where, where Ukrainian army now um, is going and liberating uh, Ukrainian villages and cities, we are indeed, unfortunately, seeing uh, evidence of, um, you know, war crimes and atrocities. And, uh, you know, this, we're not surprised, unfortunately, by this stage, because we know what these war criminals are capable of. We've seen that in Bucha, in uh, Irpin, in other places across Ukraine. Uh, but yes, uh, I think there's more horrible things to be discovered in the future. Uh, one more final thing. Um, as you look at um, today in your life, uh, and you look back across the, the seven months, how things have transformed and changed. How have you personally been impacted, if you can just share a few thoughts, uh, about the transformation, your transformation from what you were doing going about your daily life to now and uh, how this war is going right now? How has all this changed you? That's a very difficult question. I can just tell you that... Uh... In my case, and this will probably be true about most of the people I know, most of my friends, most of my relatives, our lives have been changed, you know, 360 degrees. I mean, everything has changed now. Um, places where our families live away from us, uh, places where we cannot go, uh, friends we cannot see because they are on the front lines fighting the enemy, uh, friends and relatives and close people we have already lost uh, because they've been heroically defending our country. So this transformation, of course, it will have time for this to sink in, but it has changed us, all of us, uh, very dramatically. And I just hope, I just hope that ultimately it will make us even more stronger, more resilient, and more determined to be the best country in Europe when the war is over. The Russian government says it's annexing four provinces in Ukraine. What does the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense have to say about that? For us, this will be another act of 
a brave breach of international law, uh, which was today testified by uh, the UN Secretary General, who said that, you know, Russia as a member of the Security Council should not be uh, committing these grave breaches of the UN Charter. So, of course, nobody will ever recognize these uh, acts of annexation. And um, for us, it's all the same. It's not going to have any impact on our military strategy, on, on the, our plans to liberate our land. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, Russia will cement itself uh, as, as a terrorist state. Uh, and our president, Mr. Zelensky, tonight, in his video address to the nation, he said that, you know, by... Uh, while Russia thinks that it will annex four different regions of Ukraine, actually Russia will annex itself uh, to the abyss in which they are and which in which they have been for the last seven months. Abyss of lawlessness, ab ab abyss of international isolation, abyss of international condemnation, and eventually abyss of reparations and uh, justice. That said, uh, Ukraine will continue pressing ahead with the counteroffensive, um, right? And um, I hear that Russia, or rather, I hear that Ukraine is pressing closer to Lyman, a key city in the Donetsk area. Um, am I correct about these things? Yes, you are. There are, you know, severe fighting is going on around Lyman, and Ukrainian armed forces are achieving gradual progress. Um but I would like to say that, you know, it's not just the only place on the front lines where now the Ukrainian army is uh, conducting military operations. And, you know, it's, uh, I would just like to say that, uh, you know, it's been seven months of this war, but it's not getting any easier and it's not getting any, any less intensive, should I say, right? So uh, as we speak with you right now, uh, the emergency services and the military in the city of Dnipro, which is, you know, one of the largest cities in Ukraine, has been uh, hit by missile strikes, you know, residential areas. Um, and, um, you know, there are some heartbreaking stories, like we've, uh, like all of uh, the Ukrainian social media today, uh, you know, were flooded with this, with this photograph of, uh, of a dog which is sitting on the rubble of a destroyed house and under that rubble is a whole family and the dog wouldn't move it sits motion motionless and uh you know the, there were people there who uh, filmed that dog on like a smartphone video and you could actually you could actually see that that dog is crying so uh the kind of things that we come across you know they're still awful and uh, uh but they only make our determination to win uh stronger so um that said russia has threatened on numerous occasions in the past and you reminded us about that when we spoke earlier uh, of its intent to use nuclear weapons uh, to defend itself from this aggression that they claim Ukraine is perpetrating on Russia. Um, how is how is how is Ukraine prepared to handle the possibility of the deployment of a tactical nuclear weapon? Well it's difficult to say, JJ, because 
it is not something that um, any country in Europe has had to deal with before. So it's very difficult to predict uh, what will happen if, God forbid, these strikes take place. Now, of course, we understand that we live with this risk, you know, because when you have a crazy neighbor uh, who has thousands of, uh, tens of thousands of uh, nuclear warheads, uh, you have to be aware of the risk. Uh, and uh, at the same time, uh, our allies, the international partners, including the US, uh, have been very straightforward in sending a signal to Russia that if they uh, will do this, it will end very badly for them. You know, uh, we've we've seen some very, very harsh rhetoric on the part of the U.S. leadership. And while we have to prepare for the worst, and this is why our National Security and Defense Council has already said that they will be distributing um, information to uh, the citizens about, you know, how to react uh, during a nuclear strike. Uh, we're still hopeful that, uh, you know, if not the deranged leader of Russia himself and at least people in his inner circle, you know, they, they will get these signals and they will understand that uh, uh, this is a this is not a way to to behave in a civilized... You don't just use nuclear weapons, just never. It's... Uh, nuclear weapons are there as a deterrent so it's not it's inconceivable but again everybody understands that having suffered such humiliation on the battlefield in a conventional uh warfare you know the leader of russia is currently cornered and uh, yeah. uh everything can happen um so looking at where ukraine is in this war with russia and how ukraine has fought where Ukraine is trying to go, um, do you get the sense at this point that um, Ukraine is is going to change its counteroffensive strategy or tactics? And I'm not asking you to tell me what they are. What I'm getting at here is Ukraine's been successful in doing what it's done, and we know Russia will probably try to adapt to that. Uh, and winter is coming, does that mean that these efforts change, pause, speed up, or I know you can't get into specifics about this, but should we expect some kind of changes? Um, you know, the best way to answer that question uh, is to refer to our president, to our minister of defense, and on a daily basis, they say that, you know, if there will be some changes, they will not be dictated by the aggressor. They, you know, we we are we are conducting a smart defense of our country. Our military operations are very carefully planned, taking into account many factors. But uh, Russia's fake referenda or uh, nuclear blackmail uh, will not be taken into account. This will not stop us. This will not slow us down. This will not make us less uh, determined to continue our, uh, you know, uh, actions aimed at liberating all of our lands. Because look, we are fighting a war of survival. For us, it's not like we have a choice. We don't have a choice. 
Uh, and we understand that the longer it goes on, uh, the more severe are the risks. So, of course, we hope uh, that, you know, we will, with the support of our allies, that we will be able to achieve our goals as soon as possible. Uh, nobody is in a position to predict when exactly this could happen, but uh, we're doing all we can uh, to ensure that this war is, you know, uh, ended. And uh, by the way, today there was an announcement that the next Ramstein meeting will take place on October 12th. And I think we will see again the unwavering support of our international partners and hopefully more military aid. Uh, the US has announced yesterday another package, you know, within which Ukraine is supposed to receive 18 HIMARS systems, for example, and many, many other important things. So yeah, we 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 need to win this war. We need to stop this war, and uh, um, but our our plans will not change because of the actions of these war criminals. So one more thing uh, in terms of um, the actions of Russia, um, this mobilization that they have underway, it's very clear to those that are watching any kind of media, whether it's traditional or social that there are a lot of people, hundreds of thousands of people that are trying to escape uh, so as not to be involved in that war on behalf of Russia. I saw earlier in the week that the Ukrainian government had done something, I think, to try to help people looking for a way out of this, uh, some sort of cards that were distributed in some way designed to instruct people who don't want to fight for Russia, how to surrender. Um, can you give us any sense of what those cards were about? Because I didn't. I just saw generally, um, you know, that this, there was this effort. Do you know anything about that? Can you share anything about that? There are many different ways in which we are trying to encourage those mobilized Russian soldiers, those um, people who are viewed by their own leadership as cannon fodder. We are encouraging them to not to fight. We are encouraging them to surrender. And this is why, for example, the president of Ukraine, uh, almost on a daily basis, you know, when he speaks to the nation every night in his video address, he, at some point, he switches to Russian deliberately, right? So his address is normally in Ukrainian language, but he switches to Russian and he directly tries to speak to the Russians who are now, you know, many of them are, like you said, are trying to run away from Russia. I mean, we know the figures, like uh, the latest estimate we've heard was that more than 300,000 have already fled Russia. So this is more actually than they were trying to mobilize. But at the same time, we know, according to our defense intelligence, that um, about 100,000 have already been mobilized. And many of them within two or three weeks will arrive on the battlefield. So, of course, for us, it is very important to somehow send a signal to those soldiers that, you know, you don't have to die. Because our president keeps saying that, you know, you, you guys, you have two options. You either come here and die or you can surrender and live. So he invites them to take make the right choice. You know, you live. You, you can live. Uh, and, you know, for this to happen, you just need to surrender. And this is what those leaflets are about as well. Yuri Sack is an advisor to Ukraine's Minister of Defense.
That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. I think right now Putin is terrified. Former CIA officer Robert Bayer talking about the fact that U.S. intelligence believed Daria Dugina was assassinated in Moscow by Ukraine. I think he's absolutely terrified that um, Russians are going to get fed up with this war in Ukraine. They've been lied to and they're continuing to be lied to. And uh, assassination of Putin is definitely a possibility or the regime falling apart, his arrest, his arrest. I mean, his arrest and an eventual execution is a real possibility at this point. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, Cobra Kai fans. Come hear what Peyton Liss has to say on Kicking It With The Coves this week. Peyton plays one of my favorite characters, Tori Nichols. Our stunt coordinators came up with a sort of training background for each character. Mm, like, that's interesting. Uh, Tori had done a little kickboxing before, so that kind of came in when I first tried to take on Miguel and why I was cocky enough to think that, you know, I could come in here and I could just make an entrance. Listen to Kicking It With The Coves now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast One, and wherever you can sweep your leg and get the podcasts.